And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 250, aka season three, episode 70, uh, which I will say will be the last episode of season three, uh, because next week is the official uh, anniversary date of the Anarchist Experience podcast, and I'm changing I'm changing the labeling. Like we're we're gonna go to years now, uh, because you know, well. The season thing is weird, um, but we're here. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC. And since from the beginning, uh, and even now, even though you don't call in, we've still formatted the show uh, as a call-in show because that was supposed to be a lot more fun. Uh, but you guys don't call in, but I still give out the numbers: three zero three 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 five ninety five twenty seven or three zero three eight three five thirteen zero one. That's three zero three 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 five ninety five twenty seven or three zero three eight three five thirteen zero one. So, what is going on with you this week, MC? I I really don't know. I've had a very uneventful week, and. Um... Let's see. I, 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 I'm still enjoying uh, talking about climate issues on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And let's see. What else? I heard something about Trump is going to get impeached, which I'm not really that interested in. But, I, but you know, other people are. So I, I think Did we you... can officially say has been impeached at this point. Oh, okay. Well, right. the papers was... have been filed. Okay. I believe so. I believe that was the the latest from that's what I heard this week. Like, I don't I don't you know, I'm not following it that closely either. Um, but as far as I know, uh, the the documents, the impeachment vote documents that were uh, being held up uh, in the House have been turned over to the Senate as per the, you know, the requirements to proceed with the process. Um and that they're like, you know, they're they're swearing in, uh, I guess, jurors. They're sw- swearing in senators as jurors. So having having that aspect of it, like that was the big thing, right? The, the, was he impeached? Was he not impeached? Uh, depends on what part of the process you're in. And I think now that the paper, now that that section, right, the, the vote has been tallied, the papers have been turned over to the Senate uh, for trial. Now that that has occurred, I think it's, you can officially say that he has been impeached. Uh, now there are some people that like are like someone's like petitioning the Supreme Court to overturn the impeachment. <laughs> just like no, 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 just roll that one back, just roll it back. No, just pretend that didn't happen at all. Uh, <laughs> but I think it, it now goes down in the history books officially uh, as of this as of this week. Trump has been impeached, um, and yet will likely not be removed from office. Um, and you know even. Even, you know, the, the anti-Trump people that I hang out with are like, yeah, but he'll probably win re-election. So it's just, it's a wacky scenario uh, overall. But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. say impeached at this point, officially. Um, which, which is funny because uh, I think pr- probably most of the I don't know, reasonable or centered Democrats um, realize that um, there, there's nobody that has a chance on the left. Um, they, they can't seem to pick somebody, uh, that has more, I guess, popularity and, uh, reasonableness or something like that. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I want to, I want to use the term presidential. Can I throw that out there? Like to me, there are certain people that carry a charisma about them. Right, you call it popularity if you want to. I'm going to say char- the cult of personality type of charisma, mm-hmm. right? Where you just you you go like that person 
is presidential as if like you can you can full on visualize and see them as being the president right okay sure the, like barack obama you know even when he was you know was it senator or whatever mm-hmm. like he he carried an aura about him and so when he was like nominated uh you know when or when when he not not nominated when he declared that he was running for president you kind of went yeah i could see that Right, like mm-hmm. he's, you know, there's, there's just, there's something about him that you can see. Uh, even President Trump, for as weird as this presidency has been, right, carries about him a certain aura. We go like, yeah, you know, even early on when, when, when people were still like laughing at him, when you put him on stage with the rest of the the public Republican nominees at the so, time. Well, I'm, I'm gonna say it's probably ego, uh, and it shows. But, okay, that's uh, fair. That's perfectly fine. But I, I would also say that that uh, I guess Hillary Clinton had that too, which was scary to me. So. <laughs> right, which is which is why they're having a fit, right, when she didn't win because they went, she's the one from the Democrat side. She on stage, uh, in interviews, the like the 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 personality or the persona of Hillary Clinton, you could say was presidential. I fully agree with you, right. And which is why the the election was so highly contested, right? It was it was a narrow margin uh, on the popular vote, which she won, right? And you know, and then you had the the electoral college, which went the other way. But she she definitely carried with her that that if you want to call it ego, that ego of yes, I am not only well qualified to be the president, I am presidential. And I, I, you know, so I'm looking at the, what the, the lineup for the, the, for the Democrat side and I don't see it at all. Like, are we, are we really, are we going to be lining up, you know, uh, go president crazy hair or go president crazy uncle Joe and third place is Elizabeth Warren. Like there's nothing presidential about her at all. Right. And then I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, um, and I don't want to, I know I'm probably sounding like just a Trump, you know, Trump zealot now, right? But I was thinking like with the whole Iranian situation and the the prior meetings with North Korea, like the the meetings with the bad guys, right? Like who from the Democrat side uh, would be able to like hold their own in a meeting with, you know, Kim Jong-un? Right, like, what would that? What would a conversation with Kim Jong Un and Bernie Sanders be like, or, uh, or Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren? Like, would Elizabeth Warren even hold a meeting with Kim Jong Un? And what would she have to well, say? Well, I, I don't think any any of them would. And I think the easy way out would just be like, well, he's a dictator, so I can't talk to him. Sure. And they'd probably do the same with Putin and you know everybody else that they that they've pre declared are you know, the enemy. Um, okay. And so that, that's like a, that's, that's an easy one. So, but that, that makes them even less presidential, right? And when, well, I'm, I mean, when I'm looking the, it, at it, it's, it's just whatever excuse they're, they're using. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's more or less. It just depends how they do it. Like, but, but, but Trump goes out there and he has the conversations and the video and it's awkward and it's weird and it's just, it's bizarre as all hell, but he got, but he's doing it. Right, they're like, no, we're just gonna go sit down, and have a chat. We're gonna go talk to Putin. We're gonna go talk to Kim Jong. We're gonna, you know, do whatever, and we're just, uh, we're just gonna do it. And then he does it. Right? It's, it's weird. 
it's a it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy when comparing those things with what the democrats what with what they're putting forward what they would have done in a similar situation is that fair is that at least fair like yeah. i can't i can't picture i can't i can't picture any of them from that side doing any of those things and like you said they'll if they had to they'd come up with an excuse um but to me that that's that's more illustrative of of my point that there there's no one presidential on the democrat stage at this time um and then the will clinton run again wouldn't that be interesting if she declared at the last minute right because what what happens if she runs again wins the popular vote again and loses the electoral college again right like how <laughs> how damaging is that just to like to to, to public trust public image uh, and the democratic party alone it's weird <laughs> Right? Wouldn't that be some shit? I don't know. Give it, give it to Bernie. <laughs> what is he going to do with it? He's not going to do anything with it. I don't care. <laughs> so okay. So I'm going to throw out this other theory f- for you as well. Then, so uh, I I was I had an extended conversation with a customer of mine today at work before I did the show, um, and you know through the conversation he is definitely a conservative, definitely a Trump supporter, um, and definitely. You know, we, we, we agree on some things and we disagree on other things. Uh, but his theory for, you know, to tie this back into the uh, impeachment, and I'm, I th- I, I'm sure this is floating about, I don't think he came up with this on his own, but he said that the reason they withheld the uh, impeachment papers from going over to the Senate was to sabotage the Bernie Sanders campaign. And when he initially said this was early in the conversation, so when he initially said that, I was like, "Wow, babe, you don't seem like it." But are like, are you a Bernie supporter? And he's not, totally not. Thinks he's just crazy as all hell. But he said that you know because the senators have to be in Washington D.C. you know to 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 go through the impeachment hearing, yeah. right? Bernie Sanders has to be off the campaign trail, right? He has to be in D.C. when everyone else is on the campaign trail and, you know, uh, leading into the, uh, the Iowa caucus, uh, and the New Hampshire primaries, right. He's not going to be able to be a part of that because he's stuck in DC dealing with the impeachment. So I thought that I'm like, bad, that's an interesting theory. I could see that, but at the same time, like why sabotage Bernie again? Like what's, you know, (laughs) what I don't see the, that seems like bizarre again. If that, if that's the Democrat strategy, like, yeah. I don't even I, see the point I, of that. I, I think that's just a theory. I wouldn't put much weight behind it, but you know, whatever. It, it makes sense, though. If you, I mean, if they because they screwed Bernie, like you know, if you're if you're a fan of the Democrats and you're a Bernie Sanders fan, right? He got screwed out of the nomination in 2016, which people say, which led directly so, to Trump getting in office. So who's the anointed one this time? I don't know. There isn't it's, one. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. So I don't. Joe, I mean, Joe I, Biden. Like he's, you know, yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, and that—that's the thing. From from my perspective, I don't even think they have the anointed one because no one on that stage demonstrates uh, any capacity of being the president. Now, and it, and it might be Joe Biden for they—they they did a poll and it said you know older people like Joe Biden. Um, and there's reason for it because he was you know. He was vice president before, right? Under Obama. He's got the right. Obama tie-in. So 
uh, it's like that uh, they, they want that authority figure in the room. Uh, he's, you know, if it's not Hillary, you know, the... <laughs> The, the wife of a president, it'll be the, the, the vice of a president. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Uncle Joe. And, uh, so, you know, and so what? So it, it could be possible that old people are trying to, uh, you know, make it make it Joe Biden. And they just, they're just too, you know, blind to see that it won't work or they don't care. I don't maybe know. They, maybe they don't care. Because here's the thing, right? It's still... I still think it's uh, that politics is like an old person game, right? Oh, it is. Like, that, that's kind well, of my point. <laughs> yeah. So it, it has a likelihood to work. Um, and, you know, what? I, I, I was reading articles this morning, getting ready for the show and looking for more stuff. And one of the ones that I came across, not really in show worthy, uh, but was basically like uh, Sanders supporters, if he doesn't win, are taking their ball and going home, right? So they're, they're going to lose like all that millennial young base that is rallying around Bernie Sanders. If it's anyone, but Bernie Sanders, like someone to some, some, someone to the point said, like, if it's, if it's not Bernie, like we're burning down buildings, right? Like that was, part, <laughs> that was part of the article. Uh, th- that's what Bernie said, right? He Did Bernie that, say that directly? I oh, think sh- I didn't see that. I thought he said, I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I, I, glanced over article said you know if i if i don't win um you know cities will burn that okay the, i don't know if it's true or not okay you well to, you know fa- somebody fact check me. fact check yeah good luck yeah snopes <laughs> come on snopes i'd be so proud to be on snopes's radar for anything you know <laughs> like why the hell not okay but anyway so he says that and you know i some some of his supporters i guess are taking that beyond just the words and are like actively going like we're gonna fucking burn cities down if he's doesn't if he's not elected in one way or the other so it's just it's just a weird you know again so bizarre it's, it's i want to say compelling but i'm not really compelled i'm fa- i'm still fascinated like the impeachment stuff i'm fascinated by what's going on even though um like you i don't really care who wins has no bearing uh on my life at all for the most part um but it's still it's, it's, it's so intri- it's intriguing. That's a good word. It's intriguing to watch. Even so, the, so, so did, you, did your customer have any more insight? Yeah. So that's the other thing. So you know, again, he's he's a he's a Trump guy, um, and so one of the other things that you know was brought up during our conversation was like, what do you think about what's going on in Virginia? I'm like, this is a bizarre, nuts old situation too, right? Because you know this is this is where I, I knew that he was like not you know, you know not a, a, a Bernie supporter, right? Because he goes like you know what do you do when like ninety percent of your counties declare themselves to be sanctuary cities? You know I'm like well obviously the people have spoken. Where he goes yeah but the governor's not listening. I go well there's your problem right there right. So what do you what do you want to have happen here? Um, you know and and in a political ploy as well. Right, West Virginia is reaching out, going, you know, we'll take those sanctuary cities in, like you know. So they're so all of a sudden, the the state of West Virginia is like trying to expand their tax farm base, right? By by bringing in all these sanctuary counties, it's not like they're not going to tax them; they're just going to give them the gun rights, and then they pay West Virginia tax, and you know, have to follow West Virginia laws and policies or what. I don't know how different they are down there, but you know what I mean. So it's another bizarre situation, um, and. The, the you know the 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 roundup cattling of protesters, I don't see how that's going to end well either, right? 
they, they, you know, the, the gun bans, the red flags, the declaring a state of emergency, you know, the, hey, you can protest, but here you go, everyone, everyone into the cages, right? Seems a little weird to me. Um, and I'm interested, you know, we were both interested to see how that plays out. Um, what I did find out from the customers that, you know, part of that was he's a big second amendment person. Right. And we, so we got, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit and then, you know, for him is like, Oh, these sanctuary cities, you know, it should be, it should be a federal sanctuary. I go, well, already is man. Like that's the, that's the weird thing, right? That it's, it's already, the United States is already a sanctuary country. And that was enshrined in the second amendment. And then. So everything beyond that is like a violation of that sanctuary status, right? Where, where this is America, you can keep your guns, you can do whatever the fuck you want because America, damn it. Um, and the, but then the, no one rises up, right? No one, no one does anything. Uh, and he's like, oh, why do you think that is? I go, I'll tell you why it is fucking 4k, right? Like, you know, a few years ago, if you asked me that question, I would have said HDTV. Right. If, if, if Thomas Jefferson had HDTV, there'd be no revolution. Right. There'd be no constitution, there'd be none of that. Right. Everyone's too busy being entertained, bread and circuses. You know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Uh, who's going to win the fight tonight is what I want to know. If you know that, don't spoil it for me later. Um, but yeah, so everyone, no one's really paying attention to what's going on. Um, and they just let it happen. Right. It's, it's another weird thing. And then I, I shared with him as well, because this is another thing that boggles my mind. So we were, uh, uh, M's goddaughter is in town, uh, for like 10 days. And so we had, we had to go pick her up from the airport yesterday. Uh, we picked her up in Boston and I wore my shirt. Like, this is the worst town I've ever been in shirt around Boston, which is fun. I like doing it now. It's my shirt. It's my go-to shirt when I have to leave the state. Uh, and we went to, you know, she wanted to go to like the, the tea party museum. And it's like, all right, we'll go to the tea party museum. We bought the tour, which was an interactive, you know, historical tours of America thing where, you know, the, the people, the it's a guided tour, but the people guiding the tour are like in character and they give you characters and some of the characters they give you like participate. Um, and amazingly enough, right. There's like part of the tour, you, you get to throw tea over the boat. Like you get, you get boarded on a boat. They tell you what happens, and then you, know, you can go three, throw tea over the boat and take pictures, and that's all fun times too, right? Hmm. But we, we get out of there, and like on the drive home, I'm talking to M, and she goes like, well, how was that? And again, it, it, rattles, it rattles my mind to go like, we just, we, we, we went through all that. We saw the tour. These people are participating in the tour. You know, bollocks to England uh, for, you know, the three cents a pound tax on tea. Right, we're dude, we're we're throwing where it's a revolution, you know, it's the start of the American Revolution, right? Kind of a thing, and the mentality of the people at the time, you know, they they the the tour starts in like a meeting hall, and they give this you know grandiose speech about how that's a bad thing and how the 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 uh, British citizens at the time um, were try or were going through all means possible, right, to to not be taxed on tea. Um, all peaceful means, right? I like would get the governor, just let the boat leave, yada, 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 so on and so forth. Um, and then they didn't. So then of course they get violent, right? Like, you know, that's, that's the be all end all of everything. Vibe comes down to violence. And, you know, so we listen, we listen to all of that. Right. And then they go like, and now exit through the gift shop, right? Where you can buy tea and pay Massachusetts sales tax on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like no one gets the fucking message. 
<laughs> three cents a pound or like six cents you know a dollar right i think that's a, i think that's the sales tax down in massachusetts right like we we just pretended to throw tea over the harbor for a tax on it and yet i go to the gift shop and i gotta pay six percent uh on on uh on massachusetts well, for massachusetts sales tax you just go into the gift shop and you take the tea out and you throw it in the water wouldn't that be ironic <laughs> wouldn't that be fucking ironic Right, but my point, my point is, you know, yeah, you, it wasn't just us on tour. There's a group of people in there, um, and I'm sure I was, you know, likely the only one. Maybe M a little bit because she's, you know, the longer she's with me, the the more, and she's admitted she admitted this on the on the car ride home, the more she kind of wakes up to what I'm saying, and you know, pays attention to the to the shit going on around us and in the world at large, right? But like, I'm sure everyone else went, yep. The us us Americans really showed those British, right? But really, it's it's no longer that. It's it, it was like the people versus the government, and now somehow they've been they've been uh, hornswoggled to think that it's okay now, right? Because well, it's, it's not the British government and it's the American government. Yeah, now we, it's okay. It's, it's as long as we're paying tax to our king, it's it's okay. It's just. You can't pay it to the king across the ocean. I yeah, guess. But, sure. I don't know. But so for, you're in Hawaii. Your king's across the ocean, right? California, the king is still 3,000 well, miles away in Washington, well, D.C. Hawaii, Hawaii was conquered, though, so. Oh, so that doesn't count? Isn't that more, <laughs> isn't that more reason to, like, well, to, I to mean, up and revolt? I mean, sure, I would love everybody. Where's the slave to, revolt in Hawaii, then? I, I would love to revolt. Um, yeah, if there was more support for that, but there's not, that's part of my, that's part of my complaint, right? We see this historical reenactment. The dudes are getting paid, right? They, they get their paycheck, their Massachusetts state sales tax, along with the federal tax comes out of their paycheck. Right. And yet there, there's like, there's no irony in their job, right? None at all. They're, they're playing the role of revolutionary tea party participant, right? And there's no irony in their job at all. For, for playing that role and then seeing much more tax come out of their paycheck, right? And maybe they do, and they do a real damn good job. But I don't, I don't think you could like hold that job, give the performance that you do, right? And 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 not and you know and not make that connection and go like, oh, this is fucked up. We should really we should be real revolutionaries instead of you know just playing one uh, for the for the museum history project, right? Like you know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I don't believe that they get it. I don't believe that they get it. I don't believe that through the, all the tours throughout the day, that the people going through the tours get it. Uh, but in Virginia, right, it's it's almost like some of the people get it, um, if not for their one issue, right? Uh, because, you know, talking uh, t- talking back with the customer again, like, that's his issue. It's the guns. So we, we talked about the guns. We talked about Virginia. We talked about, you know, the, the mar- uh, marijuana laws, right, and, and how f- for some reason he's okay with uh, marijuana being still banned on the federal level, even though he has, like, no stake in it, right? Like, he's like, I don't give a shit. People do, if people smoke marijuana, like, I, you know, I used to do it as a teenager. Good that the states are legalizing it, but, like, on the federal level, it's still illegal. So, so what? I go, yeah, so what? Like, the wouldn't you then agree that the federal government is too goddamn big and shouldn't be interfering in those things 
especially because banning it in the first place is extra constitutional, like they don't have the authority to do that. So I think I made a little bit of headway with him on, you know, on that issue. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, and he was, you know, a closed border, uh, no immigrants guy, even though, even though his, his, like his, his dad <laughs> was a Polish immigrant, you know, like fought in World War II against the Nazis. Uh, and then was like, you know, granting citizenship, you know, for, for being a soldier and whatever. It's like, they, they're doing it the right way. Like, that's how you become a citizen, not this cross the borders and, you know, come over with the Mexicans and wave the Mexican flag. Ah, pish posh to, you know, if you're going to come here, you wave the American flag. God damn it. You know, like, yeah, whatever. Like, what do I care? You know? And he was like, oh, there's got to be law and order. Like, what if there's a guy going like a hundred miles an hour weaving out of traffic on the highway? I go, did he anybody? No. Well, <laughs> what the fuck do I care? Leave him alone. Leave him alone. You know, even if, even, even, right. Even if he's going 150 miles down the highway, it doesn't hit anybody and you arrest him, right? Who pays to keep him in jail? And he's like, well, we all do. I go, yes. So if he didn't hit anybody, he didn't violate anybody's rights, didn't bring harm to any, any person or property, right? Why do you want to pay to keep him in jail? Like, don't you have better things to do with that money? You know, so, so I think, like I said, I think, I think I got him thinking in some issues. Uh, we talked about Bitcoin for a little bit because he's a, he's a cash is king kind of, kind of a guy. Like, dude, for all your cash is king stuff, you know, if you weren't so stuck on that, I was like, you'd probably be a crypto guy. Because if you don't want the government knowing how much you have and where you have it, right, there's better things to do than stuff it under a mattress. You know what I mean? Because even oh that's how we got we got into that because of the pot shops, right? The pot shops because they're uh, because it's illegal uh, on the federal level. Banks don't want to banks don't want to interact with them. That was a big deal when they when a lot of the dispensaries started opening up. Mm-hmm. So he's like, they got all this cash, you know, just and they're paying for guards to like guard these pallets full of cash. And, you know, <laughs> they should just convert it to crypto. They just convert it to crypto, Bitcoin, right? Then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pay the guards. And the government still doesn't know how much you have, most for the most part. I get it. Not you know, not as anonymous as people think. Pseudo anonymous doesn't mean anonymous, but it's you know better than the alternative of sending it or you know finding a bank to take it, right? And the bank goes, okay, we know how much he has now. He's got half a million. How much do you want to keep? Okay, we'll keep we'll keep that much, right? So it's just you know, <laughs> right? It's yeah. I, I, that was the weird thing in, in I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here, but in talking with M, cause I think it all ties together in talking with M, right. The, the more you hear this kind of stuff and the more you're surrounded by people of similar sentiments, uh, as me, right. The more some of it starts to make sense, right. And it gets, like your, your brain starts to work a little bit differently and you think a little bit differently and you process information a little bit differently. They go like, Oh yeah, like that. Uh, but now, but now I can see a point that I may not have seen before when I was just uh, a conservative or a Republican or a liberal or a Democrat. And you know, by God, you know, the final thing, I know you, you might not like this part. The final thing he said, cause I'm, you know, I'm going like, just tear the whole system down, right? Just abolish the federal government, tear it all down be done with it, right? Like, if you don't want Mexicans to, you know, to, to come in here and get on welfare, tear the federal government d- down, and then there's no welfare for them to take, right? And you keep your money, and they can tell them fuck off and do whatever they want with their lives, 
if their only goal was to come here and leech off the welfare system, which I don't believe to be true for most of them, but I get the argument, right? And the solution is tear the whole system out. Um, so yeah, the, the, the more you hear stuff like that, um, hopefully uh, the wheels start to turn and you realize, you know, just, just what's going on here. And he goes, well, you can't just, you can't just like end the, you know, with the stroke of a pen, uh, eliminate, eliminate the federal government. I go, well, actually you can, right? Because then I'm like, no cash for president, right? Like I'm not endorsing the candidate. However, uh, you know, <laughs> Adam Kokesh, right, as one of his campaign promises for a long time now was, uh, on day one, I'm going to abolish the federal government and then resign the presidency with the stroke of a pen, right? So if you want to see, if you want to see if that promise holds true, and you want to see if the federal government can in fact be abolished uh, with the stroke of a pen, Kokesh uh, 2020, right? There's a guy out there already has th- already thought it through, already has it planned out. All you got to do is vote for him, right? If voting's your thing and you want to see that happen, well, there's your guy, right? And even though I've met Adam and he's a really cool guy and I support the mission of ending the federal government, uh, I'm going to say by any means necessary, uh, even though I'm not going to vote for him uh, at all, right? If that's your thing, right, then that's what you should do, right? Just just like uh, Ron Paul in 2008 and 2012, if that's your thing and you're a voter, yeah, that's where that's where your votes probably go, but I'm still I'm still not participating because I don't think it's it's necessary or right uh, to to give that in to give that tacit uh, endorsement to the system. Like here you go, I voted, I voted now I'm part of the system now. I I I may not agree with what you say, but I will abide by your decision because you know what you say goes. Oh dear leader, oh great, oh great one, oh king of kings, Mister President. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Wow, not sure what happened to my voice there, but let's just move on. Uh, so so what about that whole, like, Greta Thunberg scandal? I mean, I don't know much about it, but apparently her dad is, uh, Greta Thunberg's dad is is making comments uh, for her on her behalf, yeah. on her social media. And it's, it's not surprising. Um, the only reason I say that, because some of the comments... I thought we're actually kind of witty and kind of bold for a 16, 17 year old girl to be making uh, to the, you know, president of another country. Um, you know, I just, it, it seems more logical that some of the comments didn't come from her. Sure. And, uh, and luckily now, do, do you think it was like a conspiracy thing then? I mean, we, it's all speculation at this point that, that fact was leaked out, uh, you know, through Facebook, like someone went, Hey, or, or yeah, was it Facebook or Twitter? I think it was Facebook where it said like, Oh yeah. You know, someone, someone looked at the edit history in Facebook and it was like, just for that brief moment in time, right? How convenient, uh, that that brief moment in time showed that someone else was, was writing the statements. Well, the way, the way I heard it, uh, a lot, a lot of data was leaked by Facebook, and it, and someone just l- looked at at that at those comments during that time. So right, that's the part that I'm saying. How convenient that they well, that they happen to be looking right at that moment. It's not that they were looking at that moment. It's just anything that happens on the internet uh, is is permanent. So if if you have a, a data set that is is leaked for whatever period of time, if he was happened to make 
comments during that time, then eventually we would be able to look back and see, okay, yes, it was, it was him that was making the comment. So I, it's, it's not like, uh, it, you know, it, that was, uh, you know, one thing that was leaked, you know, specifically for him at that moment. Okay. Um, it, it was a lot of data that was leaked and someone had this, the brains and, uh, 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 what do you call it? The interest enough in that situation to, to look at him specifically okay. uh, with, for, for that data. It's like, you know, there's, uh, you know, the NSA has got their, uh, data collection on the web and, you know, they're, they're any, any person in the U S they're likely not going to be interested in it just cause there's, there's, you know, okay. so much data out there. Um, but if, if that person happens to be, uh, pro Trump and, uh, you know, really popular then they could target him and then find out something about that person uh you know that is negative and then and then bury that person right okay. well let me let me ask you this then because it sounds like you know more about the technicals than i do which is normal which is fine um but it was it was i i just want to clarify one thing because it was my understanding that facebook after the fact after finding out that this had leaked had gotten back in and fixed the problem right so does that mean that the for the time period where there was a problem that that data still shows those two people having made those comments because that's that's where i lead to believe in more of the conspiracy thing probably not now but it it wasn't just them that that information was leaked for is probably leaked for millions of people uh during that short amount of time right but you could look at anybody's to see who was editing uh, anything at that, you know, for those that specific amount of time. And they and they fixed that problem. But if if you've got that record for that time, then you could probably find out who's making changes on whatever pages uh, they recorded that. Right. That okay. So let me let me also clear up my position that I am not suggesting that it was only Greta's page that had the leaker had the problem. Sure. Um, what I'm saying is it was it it's my understanding that it was a short window Mm -hmm. in which the problem existed um, and a quick fix to the problem in general. Right. Am I, am I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't don't doubt that they could fix the problem quickly. Okay. So discovering it. Yeah. Right. So you, so you have this like really small window of opportunity and within that window, this is why I'm still saying how convenient within that window, someone decided let's check Greta's page. Right. And then almost immediately after discovering um, that she was not the true uh, author of her post, right, the window closes, right? So to me, go ahead. But she's very, very controversial. So people are are looking for ways to find out the truth about her. Okay. Right. Probably, you know, probably top, you know, 10 in the world, you know, that people were probably doing the same thing constantly to Trump. I mean, if, if, if somebody other than Trump was editing, uh, Trump's, uh, comments, then that information would have been yeah. become, uh, public knowledge at that time. But right. apparently it's not, it's just Trump doing it, you know, <laughs> but it, it was, but it wasn't, it was also like not even an easy thing to do. You had to like, look at the comment and then check the edit history. Right. So sure. I don't know about you, but I'm not when I see, when I see stuff coming from other people or other pages, right? I'm not worried about who made the original post 
or what the author of the post was. So sure, so, but but I'm not under uh, a microscope, and Greta is. So that's okay. why I'm I'm not surprised at all. I don't think it's okay. super right. convenient. It's something that happened. It it, it was an error on Facebook's uh, part, and uh, information was leaked. And so I don't I don't think it is I don't think it's a conspiracy at all. I think, okay, uh, it's just something happened, and and well, that's the consequence of doing bad things. Is sometimes you get caught, you know. <laughs> yes, well, that that part we can definitely agree on then. So, so, but you and so, what does that what does that do for you when you're arguing with the you know climate deniers or climate climate change activists? I should say because we're the climate deniers with climate change activists all the time. Like, does is does that bolster the argument, or is it just, or is Greta like a non-issue uh, at this point and this stage of the game? Um, like, does that discredit all of her work that she's done? Like, is she just well, a she hasn't. Now? She's she's always been a puppet because she's uh, using uh, information that she's she's been given uh, that that are that the information is wrong. So um, yeah, it's, I I don't know how I should say it. It's like the the debate's still the same. Um, most likely, she won't debate anybody anyway. You know, she's just yeah. trying. She's just all she's trying to do is get people to be afraid. Yeah, like I don't. She she would not do well in a debate at all. No, because she, I, like you said, number one, she's. I'm, I, well, I'll be an ageist. I'll say she's too young to understand like the the technicals of an actual debate. Well, and I, what, may not have she, information to draw upon. <laughs> was she even alive in a, you know Al Gore's two thousand four uh, <laughs> documentary? <laughs> you know, maybe just born right because she's sixteen. It's twenty twenty. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so it's like. Uh, you know, she, she, uh, it's not so much about age, but, um, you know, one of the reasons why I believe the things that I believe is because I was alive during the time that that came out and, you know, looking back on it, you know, the same thing when I was in grade school, they said, you know, we're not going to have trees in the future. And I, and at the time I really didn't care because I was like, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I'm just one guy uh, or one kid, whatever. Uh, I'm going you can, to. You can plant a tree, though. I, I yeah, well, I did. I planted a couple of trees in the backyard, whatever. But um, I didn't do it out of fe- out of fear. I was just being a kid, uh, sure. and I kind of oh, let's see what happens if I plant a tree. How fast it grows. Cool. Um, but yeah, I was doing my thing. You know, went to high school, got a job, went to college, got another job. I mean. Uh, you know, the the climate wasn't really something that I thought was my responsibility, you know, or in my control even. So, um, but I, I mean, I did pay attention and there was people trying to make me af- afraid about, you know, the trees being gone or, uh, uh, and, and eventually like, you know, 2004 with, uh, with Al Gore, you know, the, the sea level rising and, uh, Increased hurricanes and you know and all these uh, tragic things that you know just didn't happen. So, um, so I don't I don't know why anybody who's I don't know I'll, I'll just say over thirty five or forty uh, would be afraid of the climate changing. Like it just <laughs> you know it, it it's mind boggling to me. So I I get it I get it because I'm I'm like you like what. What can one individual do to to really make a difference? Um, 
And I sometimes well, I feel it, like that argument or that question. It's not even uh, just about one one individual to me. You know, uh, it's more of a question: What have we all done to the environment so far? And to to as far as I can tell, the climate is actually better for humans now than it was in the past. Especially right. uh, better than you know, at least in the U.S. and probably Australia and probably Europe in the the forties and fifties. Okay, you know, so I mean, talk about extreme drought. Uh, you know, you wouldn't want that to happen again, <laughs> and and it probably will, and they'll probably you know blame it on climate change or human caused climate change. Well, they tr- they're trying to blame the the uh, the Australian fires on climate change, right? right. And that's and that's crazy because fires have happened there before. It's not uncommon um it's it's uh you know something that that happens and actually i think uh they just got a whole bunch of rain that put out a lot of the fires but uh, i think well i think did did climate change cause the rain also i mean (laughs) i think the most i think the most interesting thing about the australian fires are the pictures of the new growth growing through the ash right like the you know the 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 natural process of clearing out old and then you know, bringing in the new with new growth, mm-hmm. uh, and starting starting the whole like process over again uh, that requires zero human involvement or action or necessity. Right? right? right. <laughs> like, the forest catches fire, burns down, the rain puts it out, and then new plants start to grow out of the ashes. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And so some some people on the right say that there should have been more controlled burns to, to prevent uh, the fires from getting out of control. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of maybe against them too, because I think, you know, what's happened is probably more natural uh, than uh, it would have been if there would be more controlled burns. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the government, you know, the, the green people that were necessarily successful at, at preventing the controlled burns or not, I, I kind of think they're, I think they're probably wrong. Um, but maybe, you know, I, I, I really don't know that in that that detail, but what I'm saying is, you know, big fires have happened in Australia before and actually higher temperatures have been recorded before, uh, and bigger droughts and bigger floods. And, and that's kind of the normal for Australia droughts and floods. Even in California, to me, the controlled burn like philosophy uh, is a man-made thing, right? It's it's mm-hmm. we have these we have these man-made structures that we need to protect, so we're gonna we're going to burn in advance, right, so that the fires don't reach the man-made structures. And I get that from like a, a property protection side of things, mm-hmm. um, but uh, what's the word ecologically? However, you know, based, based, based on like the, the natural cycles of the earth, uh, a lot of times those controlled burns prevent what's going on in Australia, which is the actual clearing out of old brush, right? Like the, the natural cycle would be for, for even more areas to burn so that new plants, new greens can grow in its place and continue that cycle. And what happens with the, with the controlled burns and the, the putting out of naturally occurring fires is the 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 normal burn right the normal fire uh, doesn't actually happen so there's more old growth there's more you know dead plants rot you know dried out uh, branches and trees 
that when it does catch fire, makes it even worse because they didn't burn out in a smaller burn years ago when it would have been a natural thing to happen. Yeah. And and a lot of this is, of course, speculation on our part. Um, you know, we're not the experts on, on controlled burns and everything. But yes. uh, sometimes the experts are wrong, too. Uh, one, one of the one of my favorite uh, uh, things I talk about when when they when they keep saying oh uh, we're gonna plant billions of trees and and I always make a comment I said well just don't plant them so close together because when you do that they grow taller and skinnier and they burn much easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so like, like some sometimes you know you have good intentions and it just doesn't work out uh, and, and sometimes you do the right thing you know you, you protect your uh, property and, and stuff like that so right and that's that's why I'm like I'm I'm kind of okay with the property protection aspect of it but at the same time right if you if you build your property near a forest right that has a a propensity uh, to to catch fire right during the dry season right uh, maybe you just made a bad decision right <laughs> maybe that wasn't a good place to 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 build and maybe insurance shouldn't be covering your ass for doing so right maybe maybe yeah Who i mean knows? And and the, that the insurance, as long as it's not uh, paid for by the government or controlled by the government, um, should be able to figure out what the right uh, cost of that is. So should be, yeah. All right. Uh, you want to do headlines? We got headlines. I've got sure. headlines. This is gonna be this would be a fun one. Maybe we'll leave with this because I think it's short and funny. Uh, headline: White House considers changes to law banning overseas bribes. Eh? Headline. Oh, this goes back to the Virginia thing. Gun rights groups sue over Virginia governor's emergency ban. Uh, <laughs> headline. Uh, mother and daughter psychic get prison time for $1.4 million fraud. Uh, headline. Virginia declares state of emergency to stop serious threats of armed militia storming capital. That one goes with the other one with the, the suit. So follow up there. Uh, headline. The odds of getting a good leader. Uh, headline, cops acquire nasal ranger. Smell amplifier to crack down on marijuana users. Uh, headline, what if there were no legal smoking age? And finally, rounding it out, headline, uh, federal court rules. Cops can taser and choke you because trouble understanding them is quote unquote resistance. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week? MC. Oh, uh, well, what if there was no legal smoking age? Oh, my. Getting into that nonsense. What if? What if? Uh, from the American Institute for Economic Research. Liberty. Uh-oh. Liberty is sometimes a tough thing to watch. Uh, like a teenager, like the teenager in a horror movie getting up and going to the kitchen while the audience braces itself for, for what they know full well is going to happen. It's hard to stand by and watch our friends and strangers alike exercise their right to make choices that are harmful in the long run. It's hard for them to watch us do it too. Uh, over the holidays, the Trump administration raised the legal age to buy tobacco and nicotine vaping products from 18 to 21. It also took the opportunity to micromanage the flavors companies like Juul can provide. Menthol is in, mango is out. It's laughable to think a rule meant to apply to thousands of shops nationwide that can, can't all be monitored will prevent any 18-year-old from finding a coveted pack of parliaments. Our track record of keeping banned products people want out of their hands is abysmal. Uh, 
But with enough enforcement, it would be hard to argue that raising the smoking age wouldn't prevent at least some young people from picking up the habit and ultimately saving lives. A 2015 report commissioned by the National Academy of Medicine uh, and touted by the American Lung Association in its efforts to raise the age nationally revealed that Tobacco 21 could prevent 223,000 deaths among people born between between 2000 and 2019. Uh, While empirical projections like these are notoriously sensitive to the biases and assumptions every researcher brings to the table, numbers even a fraction of this size cannot just be ignored. This is a gut-check moment for those of us, including myself, who believe that government bans and minimum ages are virtually never the right approach to society's ills. We can parse the above report's methodology and likely find the number of lives saved is overstated. We can point out the inevitability that such a move will have unforeseen and unintended consequences. Uh, Look no further than the current uh, heroin epidemic, fueled in part by the government's crackdown on prescription narcotics uh, for an even more tragic recent example. Finally, we can point to the prohibition and the war on drugs as nearly unassailable proof that bans do not work. These arguments are important and correct, but in making them, all we've done is preserve the right of 20-year-olds to smoke. The deeper truth is that a healthy society doesn't have questions of public health or morality dictated to it by government or by other large institutions. Rather, it places trust in parents and young adults to make these decisions for them. From these millions of decisions emerge shared cultural and moral standards far more robust than rules that are inevitably broken. What would Adam Smith do? It sounds a bit like the difference between a market economy and central planning. It should. As many readers will likely know, the same enlightened Scotsman both celebrated and vilified for championing an economic arising from individual freedom spent the early part of his career investigating morality in much the same way. Adam Smith first published his Theory of Moral Sentiments 17 years before the Wealth of Nations, at a time when few would have even thought to question that mankind was given morality from on high, God, clergy, king, and aristocracy. But as is evident in both his major works, Smith was one of those rare scholars who understood that when millions of people think and act on their own, the whole is different and vastly greater than the sum of its parts. Anyone unfamiliar with Smith's earlier masterpiece can find ample synopses as well as the man's own words in abundance online. For our purposes, suffice to say that Smith identified our ability to care about both our own self-interest and the interest of others, the latter of which he called sympathy but is today closer to our concept of empathy. Smith also also surmised that people could step back and view the actions of themselves and others through the lens of an imagined impartial observer. Through empathy, learning, and millions of ongoing human interactions, morality emerges and evolves. But what happens when rules are imposed from on high? In a recent piece on seemingly very different topic, Jeffrey Tucker identified several examples in industry where rules imposed from the top stifled the creativity and vigilance of companies which had every reason to provide safe and high-quality products and services. This is simple human psychology. If you know what you're going to be told to do, it's often easier to just do it and expend your limited mental bandwidth on something else. 
This would appear to fit perfectly into Smith's moral framework. Relieved of the burden of deciding between right and wrong by government and church, the process that requires each person thinking for themselves would grind to a halt. Cigarettes and Sentiments What does this digression, almost worthy of Smith himself, have to say about smoking? Uh, I believe it says we've been asking the wrong question all along. Rather than comparing the incremental cost and benefits of raising the smoking age, what if we consider a world with no smoking age at all? At At first, this sounds unfathomable, but let's recall Milton Friedman's famous observation that one of the great mistakes is to judge policies and programs by their intentions rather than their results. I see a corollary to Friedman's idea here. It's a mistake to judge government policy as an expression of society's values rather than by its efficacy. People recoil at this suggestion because they feel somehow as though we're endorsing a six-year-old picking up a carton of Newports on the way home from school. That's ridiculous, but let's look at the more realistic dilemma of how striking the smoking age from the books would impact teens. With no smoking age on the books, Smith's process could much more fully kick in. Instead of shopkeepers asking, will I get caught for selling cigarettes to teenagers, the relevant question becomes, should I sell cigarettes to teenagers? On the consumer side, moral responsibility also accompanies choice. Groups of kids whose default behavior may be scheming to get a hold of a cigarette now lose this rebellious endeavor and along with it at least involved parents have a vastly greater agency. Many will say that this approach benefits teens with attentive parents likely to be prosperous and educated while leaving the poor on a cigarette break in the cold. But bodegas in poor neighborhoods are exactly the places law enforcement are likely to ignore, at least for petty crime like selling cigarettes to minors. Putting that moral responsibility on shopkeeper, teen, and parent could be more effective. We We see examples of nearly this exact phenomenon in history. Around the turn of the 20th century, there were no laws against pharmacists selling products containing cocaine. This wasn't for lack of public apprehension. The drug was already being sensationalized in the press as a substance that would whip black men to dangerous frenzies, a playbook repeated all too often. But concerns over cocaine caused many pharmacists to simply not sell this lucrative product. One journalist claimed that of the 20 pharmacists' approach, only one was willing to sell the drug. The other druggist provided the curt rejoinder. Uh, No, you can't buy that rotten stuff here. On the consumer side, we see similar results that, while first appearing counterintuitive, make sense in light of Smith's framework. Take, for example, the often repeated idea that European countries with low drinking ages, if any at all, seem to struggle less with binge drinking by young people. This is casual casual empiricism without a doubt, but one sees its plausibility. Individuals with agency over such decisions and the ability to learn from and react to each other often yield spontaneous outcomes we would initially think impossible. There's a telling moment in the 2015 National Academic of Medicine report when the authors argue that while more lives would be saved by further raising the smoking age from 21 to 25, the returns would diminish quickly. The mechanism proposed by the authors is plausible. It's less than 20-somethings' futures at stake at teens, who are far more likely to receive cigarettes bought by 18- to 21-year-olds than those over 21. But the observation is clearly a preemptive strike against a sort of unraveling I noted on Twitter with a good bit of sarcasm and more than little anger. Just like any age, 21 is arbitrary. 
At some point, without an all-out war on tobacco, we must allow people to make potentially life-threatening choices, and that's where Smith's framework most importantly informs this debate. Individuals and their friends and family, older siblings and mentors, all have just a little bit of knowledge about what makes sense for any given person. This process of discovering each individual's best balance between instant gratification and health risks down the road is messy. Smith's critics, as they do in his economic treatises, falsely assume he's ascribed superhuman rationality to his subjects. That only came later when future generations tried to fully mathematize the works of the classical economist. There is no magic bullet, whether government-mandated or, or left in the hands of the individuals. Tobacco use will lead to some tragic consequences. Kids will get cigarettes either way, and adults will try and fail to stop. In this scenario of no good choices, the course that encourages responsibility and humanity seems like something we might want to try. Uh, so there's the article. End of the article. Your thoughts, MC, on a world with no legal smoking age. Oh, the humanity. Um, so How dare when, they? When do kids become human? I, I don't know. <laughs> they're still forming their, their, their minds. They well, science would say 25. Science says 25. Oh, so it's that's... 25 now? Not 18? Well, science says like you know, like the, the, the formation of the brain, the, la- the latest I heard, right, was that the, the brain is like fully formed and fully developed and fully matured around age 25. Hmm. So if that's, if that's the cutoff, right, then that's when we all become real adults. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, does that... I, I, I think, I think uh, we should give them you know, the average individual, the benefit of the doubt and say 18, uh, is, is, I, I don't know. It's, uh, a, a good place to start your, your training, you know, even it's, it's kind of like, you know, driving, um, you know, uh, getting your driver's license at, at 16. That's what I did. Same um, here. You know, uh, why should it be any later than that? <laughs> why like shouldn't get, it be any earlier than that? Uh, I don't, I don't have an answer for you right now. I'll okay. have to think about it. But <laughs> So here, here's my evidence. I'll, I'll just briefly give you my evidence for that. Right Bef- Before I got my driver's license, uh, uh, my, my cousin, my older cousin, he's four years older than me, uh, was racing go-karts right, in Hawaii. And because he was out there racing go-karts, I would go out there with him and they would let me drive the go-kart, right? So before I was ever let into an automobile, I already understood the mechanics of driving. Not only that, there were kids at the go-kart track younger than me, right, in their own divisions racing against each other, right? They already understood gas, brake, steer, right? So if, if you can put them in any vehicle, right, gas, brake, steer, the basics of car mechanics don't hit anybody, and then teach them like the rules of the road, which they can probably grasp. Uh, then why not? You know, as, as soon as you can see over the steering wheel, why not let them drive a car? Right? They're they're already trained. They're already trained drivers. They already have this ability. So I don't. I wouldn't even put like I wouldn't even put an age limit on that. Just just ability. Well, how about since uh, they're they're not working and paying taxes that they can't drive on my roads because. Because I'm paying for them, and they're as probably, long as, if they're it's your road, not. it's your road. Yeah, <laughs> if you got a private that's, road somewhere, by all means, I don't care. Well, that's that's the whole thing. It's like no, I mean, 
I'm paying through my my oh, taxes. Oh, taxes. Oh, okay. and so and since a, a kid, you know, a 14 year old probably isn't paying for his own gas, then uh, then he shouldn't be able to drive on the road. I, I'm just making an argument, but um, I think I think that would go more towards uh, what this article said. Like I've been, I again, I've been busted a handful of times for selling cigarettes to minors, and I've only been convicted once. Um, and got away with it a, a couple other times. Um, and even going out with my younger friends when he tried to order uh, alcohol at a restaurant, knowing that he would be carted and was not going to proceed, right? I maintain that if, for me, right, if I'm, if I'm the seller, if you have the money, you can have the product, right? So for me, it's how did, how, just like how did the kid get the money for the car? How did the kid get the money for the cigarettes, well, if he worked for it and labored for it and, you know, did whatever he needed to do to get the money to buy the cigarettes, who am I to tell him what he can't spend his hard work, hard earned money on? Now, if he got it from his allowance because his parents just gave him money, right? I say, if they don't want him to smoke, right, they should not give him money. They should give him the stuff that he would buy with the money, right? Here, here's a sandwich, right? So you don't have to buy food. But we are not going to give you money if you're going to be spending it on cigarettes, right? To me, again, that goes like to the 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 the, the, the parental agency. Uh, I was in an online debate uh, with a friend over the the vaccine issue, and he goes, "Well, when should when should you know?" Who, I, he's like, "I think you believe that uh, parents have the agency to decide on vaccines." I go, "Yes, up until the point where the child." has the agency to decide for themselves and make an informed decision, right? So th there's some, you know, teenagers, unvaccinated teenagers who disagree with the anti-vax movement um, and will like are just dying for the day that they turn 18 and can go get their vaccine, right? If they have that agency at 14, 15, 16, 17, they should be allowed to exercise that if they can afford it, unless, you know, have free vaccines or whatever. Right. It's it's when you demonstrate the, the ability and agency that should determine what you're allowed to do, not some arbitrary age. MC. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. No. All right. Let's wrap this motherfucker up. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. AnarchistExperience.com, Minds.com slash The Anarchist Experience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, Patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.